Welcome to the Peace Over Pieces podcast, hosted by Clara Baldwin. Peace Over Pieces is a nonprofit domestic violence organization creating podcasts with victims while providing donations, hotline information, and resources. If you or anyone you know is in need of financial or emotional assistance related to domestic abuse, please visit our website for contact information. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the next episode. The first memory I have of being a kid was growing up in Dubai with my dad heavily drunk, hitting my mom. Those were turbulent times, considering we were in such a situation as an expat in a foreign country. I would be so afraid of him even when he was sober and grew to be such a quiet child that one of the girls in my class once called me a wall. And my third grade teacher told my parents I looked depressed. By the time I was in my teens, I found myself being a broken girl in search of love and attention, just looking for a way out of the situation at home because I could no longer live in fear and sadness of what was happening. And that's when I met him. He was charming at first, everything that my friends said he would be. In fact, he was a youth pastor. And after meeting me for just a couple of times, he openly confessed his love for me. I was incredibly persistent to be in a relationship. And so after several times of asking me out, I agreed to be in a relationship with him. At first, he took me out on dinners, cooked for me, gave me a ride wherever I needed to go. Absolutely charismatic and confident and incredibly flamboyant in his expression of love towards me. But within a month, things began to gradually change. He suddenly asked me to stop talking to my friends He wanted me to change the way I dress. He wanted me to stop wearing jewelry and makeup. He even forced me to change my SIM card and email address because, according to him, my friends were no good for me. And I remember how I cried and how confused I was. But he convincingly made me believe that it was for my best that he was doing this, the start of a new life a better life. And if I ever tried to question him or stand up for myself, I remember how angry it would make him. This one time, a friend called my old number and the calls were forwarded to him. And he picked it up and told my friend that I didn't want to be in touch with them anymore. And as soon as he got off the call, he was in a rage that he started to drive so rashly that it made me feel unsafe and very afraid. Things only started to get even more weird when I began getting emails and chats from anonymous people claiming they knew me and knew him. The emails were, of course, all directed at me and how unworthy I was of him because of my so-called past, including my alcoholic dad and relationships. And he immediately would come to the rescue saying he would find out who these people were and get to the bottom of it. 
And honestly, there was this inkling inside of me that thought it was him, that he was the one that was setting this entire thing up. But I didn't want to believe it. And I pushed away those thoughts. Things only started to get worse. One night, as I recall, we went out with friends and I had forgotten to take off my earrings before leaving the house. And as soon as I got in the car, he noticed I had them on. And when we reached the venue, he told everyone that we would be right back. And he silently drove us to a parking lot nearby. And what he did next absolutely shocked me. He began hitting his head against the window until I agreed to take my earrings off and give them to him. And as soon as he got out of the car, he fainted or pretended to faint and told me not to tell anyone what really happened, but instead say that he had some kind of blood pressure issue. And I listened. To this day, I don't know why, but I did. In the days to come, he didn't want me to spend time with my family, and that was not easy, but at the same time, I fell for it because of what was going on at home. He soon followed me on our family holiday and insisted that I return earlier with him, which I did. My parents despised him by now, and honestly, I was torn between an alcoholic dad, a controlling mom, and a guy who claimed he wanted to be with me every second of every day because he loved me. Before I know it, his parents were pressurizing him to get married because he was a pastor and He said to me one day, if you don't marry me, then I'm going to have to marry someone I don't know because of you. So there was no proposal. There was just a sense of we have to get married because we're in a relationship. My parents know about us. The society knows. There's no two ways about it. And so at 19, I marry him. And when I look back, I wonder what was I thinking? Why didn't I have the courage to say no? And the truth is that he did so well to instill a sense of fear in me. To me, it was easier to just go with the flow than muster the strength to fight him off and say no and think of what he would do to me. And there was also this part of me that thought this might be a chance to get away from what was happening at home. And as soon as we got married... It's funny, but he starts to neglect me. We lived in a joint family with his parents, and more often than not, I would be in the bedroom, just overwhelmed with adjusting to this new life, with such strong cultural changes and new religious beliefs. I was lost. Suddenly, from the obsession of being around me 24-7, he began to neglect me, and this was so absurd. So I decided to meet a friend one day for coffee and I confided in her about what I was feeling and how I thought this marriage was a mistake. But to my misfortune, this friend tells another friend who tells my husband. And when he found out, he was enraged. And that was the first night he physically abused me, smashed my phone on the wall, belted me, choked me, and then asked me to maintain my composure when his parents came home from a prayer meeting. 
I still remember I was shaking. I was in so much shock that not a single word could come out of my mouth. I cried myself to sleep that night and the next day he just acted like everything was normal and he said to me that he did what he did because I provoked him. Because what I did was wrong. And honestly, this was just the beginning. The abuse never stopped after that. It only got worse. He began to get paranoid that I tell people he had abused me. So he took away my phone. He didn't allow me to go anywhere on my own. Um, I had a laptop, but he installed spyware on it to monitor who I was emailing or chatting with or what websites I was visiting. I even had to talk to my parents in his presence. He didn't allow me to work. He didn't allow me to continue my education and didn't give me a bank account or health insurance. I started to feel like a prisoner. Soon he started to have an unhealthy relationship with a minor. Um, he used her and trained her to spy on me. And later it turned into an affair that went on for years. And I couldn't take it anymore. So I started to secretly confide in friends and family knowing what the repercussions would be. And as it goes, I kept getting caught and kept getting abused all the more. Those six years were hell. From the verbal, mental, and physical abuse, it became sexual. It was his way of punishing me for doing something wrong, whether it was confiding in friends or reaching out for help or making a phone call. It reached a point where he started to rape me and tell me that he was going to get me pregnant so that I wouldn't have any way out of the marriage. And I'd cry and I'd try to push him away, but he wouldn't care. The more I showed him I didn't want him to touch me, the more aggressive he would get. And I remember crying every time and asking God, why are you doing this to me? I was so afraid that I started to take contraceptive pills because... I was obviously terrified of getting pregnant. I wanted to die. I didn't want to live like that anymore. And in fact, at some point, I tried to end my life. I swallowed a mix of pills, but I lived. No one took me to the hospital. I was incredibly sick. They just let me lay in bed for days until the symptoms passed. Come 2010, this couple walks into church one day. And the wife shares her testimony of how she came out of an abusive marriage. And that was a glimmer of hope for me. I ended up telling her everything that happened and was happening. And for the first time in my life, someone believed me without hesitation, without question, and supported my decision in wanting to leave. But the question was how? I was too afraid to go to the police. I didn't have the keys to the apartment. I was not allowed to go anywhere on my own. But even still, I acted as if a way would be made. I started to hide money under my bed. I gave a few clothes to my friend, along with some important documents. But now all I needed was my passport because the only way out of this was to leave the country and go back home. So I started to practice going to the cabinet sometimes 
in which my passport was kept under lock and key by his father. And every time they'd go out, I'd walk into their bedroom, looking for the key, open the cabinet, check if my passport was there, put it back in, and run back to my room with a pounding heart, timing how long this all took. And this day comes where his parents asked me to apply for a visa to the States because we had to go for a conference. And they give me my passport and I set up an interview. But for lack of documentation, my visa gets denied and I have to reapply for the visa. This time, what I do is I set the interview date for two weeks from when it's actually available. And I keep the passport with me. To my luck, they forget that the passport is with me. And so I let my friend know that I have it and ask her help to book me a ticket and help me get out of the country. And so she does it from everything to booking my ticket to calculating how long it would take to get to the airport. She did it all. And so we decided that I would leave on Friday, the 27th of April. And it was decided that I would leave from home and pretend to be sick. Unfortunately, my husband didn't buy the excuse and I had to go into church. I was so afraid. I was so nervous. All I did was put my passport in my pocket and walk in there. And as I look back, that day seems so surreal because in the six years that I was married to him, never once did anything out of the ordinary happen during a church service. But that day was a miracle in the making because a couple walks into church and asks to meet with him. And he agrees to and takes them to the office next door to have a conversation. And that's when I get the chance to walk out of the church with a passport in my pocket, leaving my bag behind, go to the back of the building where my friends are waiting for me in a car, and they drive me off to the airport. I was beyond scared. My heart was pounding, as you can imagine. I was saying things that I can't even remember, or neither did they make sense. I get to the airport and check in, pass immigration, go to the boarding gate, and my flight's delayed by 30 minutes. I am beyond convinced that my husband's going to find his way there and take me back. But I get on that flight and I make it to India where I am in the shelter of a nonprofit organization that my friend reached out to. And they took care of me, which is so fortunate to say. Even after I got to New Delhi in India, which is a city I've never been to, it was no easy journey for me. I was terrified because I knew no one there. Everyone was a stranger. But the support I received was incredible. I got a lawyer pro bono. I was given a job and accompanied to every visit to the police station to feel protected and safe. And it's funny because when you go to the cops, you 
tell them what you've been through, but just because you've experienced the abuse in another country, they say things like, if he shoots a bullet from where he is right now, how could it reach you here? And so why are you scared? And it makes me think, how many victims are supposed to find courage to leave if this is what they have to deal with when it comes to the law? But we didn't give up. I didn't give up. And we kept going until they agreed to accept my case and offer protection for the perceived danger. I lived in Delhi for almost four years. I became second home. It gave me time to build myself again, to put back the broken pieces, to feel safe away from him. I didn't tell anyone where I lived for the fear that he'd find me, not even my family. But I was finally set free and was safe. And in fact, came back to Dubai where everything happened. But now the only difference is that I'm brave and free. I feel so fortunate that I was able to leave to escape in spite of the countless threats that he would find me and kill me. And I know that if it wasn't for those few people who believed in me, I would still be there today, battered and abused. And if not that, I would be dead. And when I look back, honestly, I wish I knew better. I wish I knew that abuse was not the norm and that I had a better model of what a healthy relationship looked like and was supposed to be, but I didn't. And even though I knew I was hurting, somehow I thought it was okay that every married couple goes through this, that they were just fights. But I wish I knew that love wasn't abuse and abuse wasn't love. And even more, I wish I had the resources to help myself before the abuse wore me down. I wish I had the finances, a support system, because I know how hard it was to leave without the resources and with so many limitations. Yet I consider it a miracle that I could have left and I didn't get caught in the act. And so to anyone out there who is a victim of abuse, all I can ask is that you never give up, that you realize that you are not deserving of this, that abuse is not the norm, that it is not love no matter how much you love the person. It's a violation of your rights. It's a crime and something you do not deserve to experience. You have been given this life to live it freely, and I hope you realize how much you're worth and choose to work towards a path of freedom. And I know it isn't easy even if you want to just get up and leave, but I hope you find a way to do so slowly but surely. Confide in the people you trust. Create a safety plan. And when the time is right, I hope you can leave because a beautiful future awaits you. It's not easy even once you leave, but it's totally worth it. And to live a free life, free of abuse and violence is absolutely something worth fighting for. And you should know that you are deserving of it and more.